Hello, friends. Hello, listeners. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. This is Beyond Words with Felix and Al, and this is episode 11. Felix and I, after recording this episode, we both agreed this is amongst our favorite conversations, and so we're really looking forward to sharing this one with you. We hope you enjoy this journey as much as we have. Uh, Before we get started with the show, we just have one request of you, the listener, if you can help us uh, get the word out with this podcast and help with the algorithms on whichever uh, platform you're listening on. So the way to do that on Apple Podcasts is to simply leave a five-star review and subscribe to the podcast. Very quick, very easy to do. If you're listening or watching on YouTube, please like the video, subscribe, and hit the notification bell. If you're listening on Spotify, please follow the podcast. If you're listening on any other platform, just follow the podcast, leave a review. All of these actions really help with algorithms so we can get the word out to as many people as possible. So those are the announcements. I would also like to add that uh, Felix and I really want to start connecting more with you, the listener. And so we've set up a couple of ways to do that. Firstly, if you are on Facebook, we have a group. Our Facebook group is called Beyond Words with Felix and Al. And feel free to join us there on that group. We'll be sharing videos and links to things we've discussed on the show. And we'll be sharing more through that group. If you're not on Facebook or if you prefer email, we've also set up an email address where you're welcome to message us with any feedback or comments or If you want to share anything you'd like us to discuss on the podcast, any questions you have, please feel free to email us. And that email address is felixandal at protonmail.com. Felixandal at proton, P-R-O-T-O-N-M-A-I-L.com. Okay, so those are the announcements. Now on to the show. Uh, This episode the main topic that we ended up discussing was uh, this idea of censorship. Uh, This is something that's come up recently in quite a bit in media, people being censored by social media organizations or other people for, for their views and for sharing their views. And Felix and I discussed this and how it ties into authenticity and speaking authentically. So it was really an amazing journey of a conversation for us, and we hope you enjoy it just as much as we did. So with that, I will leave you and enjoy the show, and we'll see you next week on Beyond Words with Felix and Al. Thank you. Felix. Oh man, number eleven. Number eleven, and trying out a new uh, a new method here, trying out Zoom. So there's all these like paid podcast services for hosting remotely, but Zoom is free, and I think the quality might be just as good. So let's see what happens. We didn't have much luck with the last service we used, so this might be our first video podcast too. Which is great. Yeah, I like that 11, our sacred number 11. Yeah. Our first video. 
That's one of my favorite numbers. Like if you were a pro athlete, have you ever, did you ever think about that as a kid? Like what number would you be as a pro? I was always number nine. I don't know why. That's a good one, man. Yeah. yeah. I was number, I like thir- number nine. Number 13. Even better number. I like that. Well, a good number. if it's better, then choose 13, man. <laughs> <laughs> I like nine because it was like the jersey I always got. So I'm like, I guess I'm just always number nine. Well, nine is often in a lot of sports. Nine is kind of like a big name player's number. In football, yeah. it's like quarterback. In hockey, it's a big number. Yeah, nine's good. It was in soccer. So I was like a midfielder. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah, because in soccer, your number is determined by your position, isn't it? Not necessarily, because I'd switch between midfield and, and forward. Uh-huh. So I'm not sure. I Man, I can't answer that question. I played <laughs> in like, it was like middle school. I don't know. <laughs> I also like the double numbers. So I would, like, I would consider 11, or if I was in hockey, I'd be number 33. I think that would be pretty cool. That's a good number. <laughs> I like that number. Yeah, man. Well, well excited to uh, keep rolling. And uh, I just want to just give a shout out of thanks to all the We've gotten a lot of really kind, supportive messages from people as we've shared this. And I don't know about you, but all those like kind, supportive words really help. Like it feels, it's it's really good because I think we both experience like doubts and self-doubt about putting ourselves out there. I mean, you know, we've talked about this before, but just sharing our voice and sharing my voice and my opinions and my views and and the fear of rejection, which is pretty much all just a figment of my imagination. Uh, I don't really know anybody that's mean or I'm not friends with them. So, so yeah, thanks to all of you who are listening, who've been supportive and kind and uh, yeah, it helps like, and I'm, I'm confident, like we're just going to keep getting better and better at conversations and communicating and sharing our ideas. And, and uh, I like how it's growing organically it's growing slowly but surely we're trying new things and uh, I've just noticed like I listened to our first ones versus our later ones and I just found that like we both sound more like confident in how we're speaking and more sure of ourselves so I think that's that's pretty cool well it's great also that all of you listeners now get to watch us through this evolution as we start to not only grow into our confidence in speaking our word but just like explore this whole realm of podcasting and being online and uh, expressing how we feel about this very strange world of plant medicine and the strange world we live in. Uh, it's really, it's a gift that we do have supporters. Uh, just to echo what Al said, it, it mm-hmm. feels like we really appreciate your support. Even just like, wow, that was a fun episode or you guys are funny. And that, it made our day. It made my week actually, to be honest. So, yeah, me yeah, too. Totally. All of you. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, one thing I've heard a lot from people is like, I really resonate with what you guys are saying. I feel the same way about a lot of these, you know, topics that you talk about. And, and, uh, and throughout my journey, like whenever, if I share something that's sensitive or delicate for me or uh, vulnerable, inevitably the feedback is like, yeah, man, I, I feel the same way or really resonate and connect with that. Um, So I think, we often in our suffering or confusion, it can feel really lonely. And one, one benefit I found of sharing it and being open about it is realizing the community that we have of people suffering and having confusion and challenges in a lot of the same way. So we're really like 
it's a testament that we're on this journey together as human beings. And uh, I'm learning that sharing about it is a real pathway to healing and getting clarity and resolving and just feeling a companionship on the journey of life, which used to feel really lonely to me. So. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I mean, it's funny because even doing, we, I recently did Jason's podcast that both of us did. Um, Jason's podcast is beyond uh, the universe within. It's a great podcast. I definitely check recommend checking it out. Uh, but I felt afterwards, and we, we've talked about this before. I've really questioned my words and you said something really powerful. It's like, you know, in that moment, you're really, you're speaking to something that's not necessarily channeling, but you're speaking to that moment. And as I was walking back to my home and as I was starting to like go over everything I had said and starting to judge it and analyze it, your words came through so strong of like, yeah, but that's what it was in the moment. And that's what was needed to be said in the moment. So again, like we've shared in other podcasts or other episodes, it's not that we feel our words are absolute. We're always growing. We're always evolving. We're always trying to better ourselves in whatever way that is. And so maybe, you know, one week we say something that really resonates with us. And sometimes we, we change and we find that it doesn't resonate with us, but to get the feedback that it's resonating with, with all the listeners is really powerful. Like to receive these personal messages um, from people, just really being grateful for the words that we've shared for the jokes that we shared for the, the lightheartedness and for the dark moments that we share, it's, it's, it's encouraging to us to be even more real. And I think not trying to speak for both of us, but I feel that's our goal is to be as real as possible, not only with each other, but with our listeners and with, with you know, our global community. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, for me, this is an exercise in getting real. Like I, like, for example, on my, you know, journey and path facilitating retreats at, at the retreat center we both worked at, the Temple of the Way of Light. You know, part of facilitation involves, there's like group meetings and, and group sharing and where people talk about their experience and share what they're going through. And then the facilitators usually uh, speak last. And, and I, I remember, like especially early on in my facilitation journey, as people were speaking in the circle, I would start to plan and practice in my head what I'm going to say. And, uh, and it was just coming from a place of like, I just want to say the funniest thing that's going to get me the most love uh, and acceptance, essentially. And by the time it got, like by the time it was my turn to speak, I hadn't even listened to really deeply what half of the people had shared. And then I shared my little planned speech and it was probably very disconnected from the moment. And I noticed that my body would actually, it would give me a signal. The body's amazing. When I spoke from a non-present place and I was just trying to share like some practice rehearsed thing my heart would start to race really quickly right before i spoke and i start to get cold sweats like this nervousness would come on and it was you know i interpreted as my body saying hey you're not this you're not going to be authentic right now if you say this like it's my body's reminding me to come back into my body come back into the moment and over time 
I started to practice just really being present with what each person was sharing. And sometimes that's over a course of several hours to get through a whole group. And then when it was my turn to speak, just speak whatever comes up without having rehearsed. And that led to, you know, the most relevant and present sharing that felt really good to share. It came from, it came from my heart. It came from presence and the nerves and the heartbeat wasn't racing and, I think that's when I shared the most, you know, and sometimes I didn't say it. Sometimes I would just say, well, nothing's coming to me right now. So also relieving that pressure that I have to say anything at all. Um, but, but that, that really changed everything for me. It's, it's like the more I listen intently and presently, the, the more I'm able to respond from a place of presence that, that to me feels good in whatever I'm sharing, because it's relevant to me in the moment. And this podcast yeah. is, is, is another practice for that. <laughs> so, so much so. I, I remember we actually spoke about this in episode two or three where we talked about being super present while we're listening. And that's like kind of setting aside the internal dialogue of like interpreting the words, creating the next line, creating the what's interesting beyond that. It's just like to actually make that silent and to respect and honor what the person's saying and then allow whatever's there to come forward feels so much better to me and, and whatever comes out actually feels more authentic and more real instead of this like pre-programmed dialogue response that I've had in my pocket for the last week or whatever. Exactly. And I'd rather have that. And this, this podcast has been a powerful tool in, in exploring that in a, in a deeper way. I really feel... And we've talked about this as well. We're, we're thinking right before the podcast and we're starting to think about it. And it's like, man, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. I have no idea. Should, uh, should we talk? I, I got to find something interesting to really like kick the topic, topic off into some direction. And man, but every time we come on, we just start talking mm -hmm. and we end up in really beautiful places. And I, that's, I think that's what always naturally comes from this, like not detached, but yeah, so to speak, detached presence where I'm, I'm here, I'm observing, but I'm not really attached to what the, my appearance is as I'm like whatever words I'm saying or the appearance of my face as I'm talking into a camera or like how the listeners view, view me. It's more of like, I, I actually just want to share how I genuinely feel. And I, I feel that's a huge thing that's lacking in the world because of and how things get twisted with opinions and how there's 10,000 videos you can watch and how this person's an asshole or this person's mean and how I should like this person or hate this person. Then I've already come into this conversation with this person not liking them because of all these preconceived ideas without just interacting with the pure expression of this person who is you. you know? Absolutely. Like I think this might tie into something that you know, I read about today and we talked about it briefly. Part of the reason that I sometimes have fear about sharing what I think about something or my viewpoint about a situation that's happening in the world is because of the way a lot of those people are being uh, treated uh, in, in the public fear, sphere of podcasts or videos, just people who speak up. And yeah, there's a fear from my end of if I, I don't want to offend anybody or I don't want to 
alienate my family or friends who a lot of them probably have different views than I do. And it seems everything is so polarized, especially when we get into political, social topics. And I feel as a society, a lot of us, and this includes me when I'm not at my best, most present self, we've lost our way in terms of how to listen and how to openly just allow someone to express and still be able to love them or accept them for their particular viewpoint. And it's like, yeah, I, so my fear is like, I don't want to become anybody's enemy. Uh, and so this journey for me is also about learning how to share. Like, I, I don't think either of us want this to be a, like a political podcast. Um, there's enough of those out there. And there, I, I think there's enough political talk out there. I, I hope to be able to offer people like an oasis. <laughs> to get away from a lot of that stuff. However, there are, you know, it's so intertwined with what's going on in the world today that I think there will inevitably be things that come up or topics that come up that some people consider political because a lot of things that a few years ago weren't political or controversial now seem to be. Um, and, but so, yeah, my intention is to learn how to not walk on eggshells, but to, uh, share in the best way that I can how I view certain situations or how I feel about certain topics, uh, but to share it with compassion and kindness and just, you know, for listeners, like knowing that I'm also open to, to hearing other sides uh, of, of whatever topic, whatever story. And, and one reason I don't really share my political views much is because I'm still figuring it out for myself. And the only way I'm going to talk about political views like openly is if I really research both sides of the topic and really feel like I have an understanding so that I can share from a place of what I think is uh, informed, like an informed place where I've really done some research. And so a lot of my views are pretty raw and they're not necessarily backed by much research so i share those with my wife and she helps me kind of like work through some things that i wouldn't necessarily talk about in this public sphere but but i hope to um yeah develop that voice as well because i think some things are do need to be named and talked about in my view and i think the one thing we can speak about today is what we talked about earlier it's this whole like movement of censorship and uh you know this came up because I think we both saw this article about uh, Joe Rogan's podcast and how, you know, he signed this big deal with Spotify and a bunch of Spotify employees have threatened to go on strike if his podcast is not censored and if certain episodes aren't removed with certain guests that they disagree with. And I find this really troubling, this trend, because it's oftentimes lately uh, people kind of give into it and concede to it and and are basically giving up their free expression in the name of pleasing what I think is actually a minority of people it's it's the thing with social media is a small number of people can be extremely loud and it makes it seem like it's the whole crowd but Joe Rogan's podcast is the most popular podcast on the internet and so there's a reason for that 
So yeah, I just wondered, like, what do you think of that? Because I've I've been thinking today about censorship, and I'll you know I'll happily share, like, because it is it's a complex issue as well, and I don't think we'll get to the bottom of it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, first I I kind of want to like open the floor to our listeners as well, with if there is points that we do hit that are maybe conflicting or confusing, you'd like us to divulge deeper into them. If you have questions for us, please write us. Um, we're always willing to answer questions and we can answer them on one of our podcasts uh, or, or one of the following episodes. In the uh, intro, I will share, uh, we have an email address for this podcast. And so that's going to be a place, we're going to do it old school by email for people to submit questions, comments, something that maybe they'd like us to talk about, if it's involves something that we might be able to share about so but yeah go ahead man and yeah and, and within that too we, we, we do want to hear conflicting ideas so if anything we say today is conflicting or challenging to a belief system please share with us and we, we'd love to have a discussion um i think this realm of censorship even personal censorship so i'm going to talk from a personal standpoint definitely stems from this idea of i need to be nice I need to be held in the best light by everyone. I need to be liked by everyone. And I, I find that I often will censor myself in certain groups of people because I feel unsafe. I feel unsafe to challenge their opinion. And then, then I, and then I get really upset with myself because I'm like, actually, but I did have a different opinion and it's just a different opinion. doesn't mean that this person's going to hate me. But for some reason, within my mind, the total rationale behind challenging an opinion is receiving hate from another person. So I avoid that. Or receiving um, some sort of conflict, verbal conflict, emotional conflict, or physical conflict. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I personally would avoid challenging topics because I'm afraid to make someone upset. And it's like I always want to be some part of me always wants to be in appeared in the light of good. I, I'm, a, I'm the good guy. No matter what, I'm always the good guy. Oh, I, I agree with this side and this side. I'm, I'm here. I'm in the middle. It's okay. And I find that when I do that, I'm censoring information intentionally for myself instead of going out and starting to research all sides. I'm limiting an aspect of intelligence, which is a complete unlimited expression of life. And when I saw this post about Joe Rogan's podcast and how they want to go back in time and destroy or, you know, get rid of these older podcasts that Joe Rogan had created because they disagree with them. To me, it feels a bit backwards. I, how can I just start to disagree or how can I want to get rid of everything I disagree? Why can't there be things in life I don't like? I need to have that total spectrum of, I don't like this and I like this for me to actually know what life is. If everything was arranged up, there wouldn't be no down. And so absolutely there's things I disagree with in the political sphere, in the social sphere, in the sexual sphere, whatever you want to call them. There's things I disagree with, but those are things that I've come to through my own explorations internally and externally. And I value that, that exploration. It doesn't mean I'm going to shun or demonize these other aspects. I just, just don't, don't agree with them. I'm not, I'm not the ultimate 
judge on what people have to say and how can I ever think that I'm big enough to actually be the judge when it comes to deciding what is valid which comes out of somebody's mouth and so to go back a little bit I, I find that this is stemming a lot from PC culture and I'm not saying PC culture is bad please don't take it that way but I find that in our desire to be accepting to all sides of the coins or dice or whatever we're starting to shut down other parts of it because we think even in that heterosexual small box or whatever the box is that we disagree with is not it's not a part of that it can't be accepted into this total culture of PC and so that little aspect starts to get shunned. It starts to get put to the side. And how is that not the greatest form of censorship as well? How is that not um, violence against that specific type of being as well? You know, um, if I were to decide, you know, like, okay, you know, I'm transsexual, but I find that anytime people talk about heter heterosexual interactions, it offends me because it's not engulfing the totality of what transsexual, bisexual, asexual, z-sexual, I'm not really sure, uh, is I'm, I'm just doing the reverse to this person as well. Maybe that heterosexual person doesn't appreciate me or finds me disturbing to them. Okay, that doesn't mean I need to do that against them. So it's always like what I'm seeing in the sphere of censorship is, well, they censored us at some point. A small group of these people censored us, or this type of people censored us. So why don't we censor them? They disagreed with us at one point. So why don't we disagree with them and make sure that we can remove that aspect? And so it's not necessarily that we're censoring the words that are said. We're censoring disagreement. And and that man, that's such a powerful thing that we've all grown up with. I mean, I think of when we're born. One of the most important words we learn is no. Man, if I didn't know no, I don't, I don't know if I would still be here in this way. You know, especially like towards my religious upbringing. If I didn't say no to my religious upbringing, which was super strict, which was super one line, I wouldn't be as happy as I am today. And I, and I say that with full confidence. I feel more open, I feel more aware, I feel more um, infinite within myself. And I want to keep embracing that infinite. So, yeah, I think that's my opinion and my view on how censorship influences me personally or how I see censorship. But it's, it's, a, it's a bigger topic, and I wanna, I'm wondering like, what you feel about censorship and how does that affect you maybe personally or how do you see that personally? Mm. Um, you, you touched on it earlier, which was awesome. So. Yeah, actually, I, I really like how you frame it from your personal experience. So it's like, that helps me to understand why some groups, some people want to censor everybody else, because there are times where I want to censor myself. <laughs> like, like I said, because I want to be liked and I want to be accepted. And so I don't say certain things. And if I extrapolate that and project that idea out onto everyone else, then I want everyone to only say things that I like and that make me feel good. So I want them to do the same thing that I'm doing to myself. Uh, I think it's a really dangerous path. Um, and there is, you know, there's a lot to consider with it. Um, yeah, so 
so I, I, I think about it basically who the, the problem is, is that I might agree with, maybe I'm someone who agrees with PC culture and what's being censored right now. Um, so whatever the powers that be that are choosing to censor, I happen to agree with them right now. So it doesn't affect me. But if we set a precedent as a culture, as a society and governments of censoring some things, maybe even little things or little topics or some words that 99% of people agree with that those aren't good. We shouldn't be saying those things. The problem is, is we set a precedent and then as cultures change, as people change, as powers change, as governments change, uh, they can use that precedent and then they can start censoring other things. Maybe it becomes a little more invasive step by step. And then it's basically a slippery, a slippery slope to uh, a situation like you would have in North Korea or in Stalin's Russia, where uh, the censorship led to people being murdered for simply saying even the slightest disagreement with the government. And so my concern is uh, if the people who are really all about this censorship and PC culture and cancel culture, are, if they're the ones getting into positions of power that, that impact our legal systems and, uh, you know, that, that's, that's a really, I'd see a terrible outcome. <laughs> uh, even, you know, even if, even if I were to agree with them right now, it's just, you can't open the door to that. Uh, so right now it's a little, it's interesting because it's it's actually corporations censoring. So you know then we get into like well, does should Spotify have the right to censor since they're a corporation? They're not a government. Technically they could, and then they might lose a bunch of customers. So the market will determine whether or not they made a good choice in doing that. But but yeah, my concern is just seeing it in the culture at large and seeing what happens to people uh, when when they get canceled by a mob of people on social media and just the hatred that goes out and uh, the silencing and the, it's, it's, yeah, it's, I think it's a tragedy. So like, well, we, we talk yeah. about hate culture too within that, you know, there's mm -hmm. this idea of hate culture. I mean, a faction of, of censoring something or putting something down because it's offending is a huge faction of, of hate culture you know it's, it's it's a thing that and i and I, I don't think hate culture is a thing i just i've heard this as a buzzword within the news and within different social spheres but we have to be so so careful when we start to find something that challenges our beliefs and instead of allowing it to challenge our beliefs and see why it's challenging our beliefs instead we shut it down completely and we yeah. throw it into a box we repress it yeah and man, I, I, I pray that most people are, I hope most people want to grow and evolve as human beings and, and learn more. And anytime anything is disruptive or uh, starting to put chips in our beliefs, man, that's, that's actually like a sign to go that way. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh man, there's actually, there's something in that that's actually bringing my beliefs down. And I need to see what that is because maybe my beliefs aren't as solid as I thought they were. And I think because we're in such a, a belief oriented or opinion oriented world, especially with social media 
there's so much emphasis on the importance of our opinion and sticking to that and fighting to the death on, on social media until it's, until we win something, which I, I don't know if we can actually do that. Dude, I engage in that in my head all the time. Like as soon as I read something in the news that triggers me or if I'll, you know, the other day I took like, I really went into my Facebook feed for the first time in a really long time. Like I've just kind of avoid it. And I was triggered so many times. And in my head, I had all these wars with these people of like saying, you know, proving them wrong, you know. And I even went through the exercise of actually writing down a response to some of these posts and not actually posting them, but just writing it out just to get my head clear about it. And there was something really rewarding about that. Um, but still like a fear, even, I, you know, I wrote responses and, and counter arguments to things that I thought were pretty well thought out, but I still had this fear. And, and in a way, I, I, I think I'm kind of allowing this culture of censorship and shaming people for disagreeing to really get to me because it's actually planted fear. Like I'm afraid to speak up about certain things. And maybe it's just in social media. Maybe if I were in a group of people having a conversation, maybe I'd be able to speak up about it more. Um, but I do see the natural urge and tendency to just want to like, like get them, like prove them wrong. But I don't know if it's anyone has ever had success in proving someone in changing someone's political views on Facebook. Like, I don't think it's possible. And so then I wonder like, what's even the point of people expressing all this political views because the only thing they're going to do is please whatever echo chamber that they're in because you know people curate their group whoever they follow so it's so the problem with that it's like facebook allows us to sell to censor basically i, I can create a world in facebook where everyone agrees with me and I, I think it leads to a really distorted sense of what's actually going on in the world and how people think because i'm only hearing what if I were to do this, and a lot of people do this, only hearing the people that agree with me, and it just seems so clear, and I just get more and more and more entrenched and embedded in in that belief, and it and it gets so strong, and the belief takes such a strong hold that as soon as there's an opposition to it, I mean, it's just it's it, by then it's so deeply embedded and rooted in my psyche that you know people go to war, people get violent over that holding on to this belief that's just gripped them, you know? Uh, beliefs are like, yeah, sometimes I feel like they're like a virus, you know? Like, uh, in the sense that they just take over and they consume us uh, and they, they lead to families falling apart, relationships, friendships. And for what? For something that doesn't even exist in in the physical world, it's just like a story. Like if you take two people on opposite sides of the political spectrum in the United States and you just put them next to each other and just maybe even just take their clothes off, just two naked people just standing there. Like they're exactly the same thing. There's just some little story in their head that would lead them to like hurt each other. But it's, it's, it's just words, you know? <laughs> Sometimes I think about that and it just blows my mind. I mean, that's really how the that that is the world that we live in where we live in a world of of stories i mean that's basically yeah and some people have divisive stories and 
I think it's, it's just crazy, man. I just, sometimes I just have this dream that everybody just wakes up and realizes they're all stuck in a story and the unhelpful stories that lead to conflict and make them feel stressed out and make them check their Facebook or Twitter feed a thousand times a day because they're holding on to something. Like they realize like what that's doing to them and, and that it doesn't lead anywhere except for a cycle of, re, of rapid, repetitive conflict that nobody's like evolving from or growing from. I, I don't know if it, like I see that as the only way out. Sometimes I think, well, maybe the way out is for more people to speak up, but I don't even know if that works anymore because everybody's speaking up about something. It's like, <laughs> but you know, someone spoke up at some point in my life and it led me to open and to let go a lot of beliefs that I had. So I guess, you know, it's just a matter of the right person hearing the right thing at the right time that might liberate them from, whatever belief system it has them in prison, <laughs> prison in their mind, you know, this might touch on, you know, how you see it through working with ayahuasca and ceremonies. I mean, yeah, I'd actually be really curious to hear, you know, the, if, if there is one to share just the, your viewpoint on that. And even uh, the Shipibo th through the lens of, of Shipibo plant medicine, like beliefs that, that, that destroy people, like, what is that? What does it look like in that in that sphere? You you hit the nail on the head when you said beliefs that destroy people. Um, I've had a client within the last year, or I had a one client within the last year, and this person had a belief system not only about themselves but about another person that they believe so strongly that internally it turned into a ball of spikes, and they. The image I saw, the vision I saw, or whatever you want to call it, of this, this belief system was literally their hand was bleeding and the spikes were going through their hand and they wouldn't let go of the spikes, but it was hurting them. And, hmm. and I've seen this in other people as well, where it's just like, I am this and that person is this. And because of that, I will not change and I will take my stand and I will fight them to the death or I will whatever. I will be victorious in this. And it's literally, they're holding a ball of spikes and it's going through their hands and they're bleeding. They're making themselves bleeding, bleed by holding onto this idea. And what I think psychedelics and plant medicines in general try to start opening us up to is the infinite. The infinite of what is, the infinite of life, the, the man, there's, there's no one right way, man. And it's, it's hard because we want our way to be right because it's, it kind of goes back to the thing of like, I want to be the nice person and I want to be held in the highest light. Cool. It's an egoic belief to even think that my way is right. Or my opinion is right. And because of that, I hurt myself and I, and I lack all these other avenues of growth and opportunity that are literally sitting in front of me because I feel, because I feel and I think that I'm already right and I'm already there. And, and that's even to say, like, I don't, even for this person who was sitting in front of me, excuse me, I don't know if it was the best thing to remove that from them. I don't even know if it's the best thing to, to be like, hey, you're killing yourself by holding on to this belief. I think that person has to keep holding on to that cactus until 
they realize how much pain there is. And I think as a natural progression, hopefully, or a natural evolution of humanity, I hope we start to see how we're not only hurting ourselves, but hurting, hurting each other through our belief systems. And man, when you were talking, the first thing I heard this little ping. When I first started this path and started exploring into the, all these fun realms, I stumbled upon Robert Anton Wilson. And Robert Anton Wilson is such a cool guy. He, uh, they have a society, they formed a society called the Society for Normal. And so they offered $50,000, or sorry, $10,000 to anyone that could prove something was normal. <laughs> Nobody won the $10,000. There is, there's no normal, and we can't even find it within nature. We can't find it anywhere in the world. And if we try to create a normal, we start negating the totality of nature and its infinite creation and what it's designed to do, which is to evolve and to create, to evolve and to create. Mm -hmm. If we're going to de-evolve, we stick within a pattern. If, um, you know, if our first ancestors didn't learn that we needed fire or they had fire and they got burnt, and they're like, no, I'm never using that again. Where would we be now? Um, and this is we're, we're playing with fire on social media. Something that really hit me what you said is we can decide whether our feed shows us things that we agree with or disagree with on Facebook. Man, that's terrifying. I hope I never start arranging my Facebook in a way where I start to not see people I disagree with. I, I need to see that. I need to see things that I disagree with. I, I, I don't know. It's the spice of life. It's the flavor of life. Totally. I keep ignoring it. <laughs> like like how, how dull would a world be where no one thinks for themselves or has an opinion? I mean, that's what, that's what totalitarian communist countries looked like. It was really depressing. And I didn't live them firsthand, but, you know, my wife is from Poland, a former communist state, and the way she talks about it. And even going there now, you can feel the remnants of that ideology. And it's taking a long time for people to, to come out of that. Um, it's just, it's, it's basically crushing the human spirit. Like, I believe that every human being is here as an expression of the creative power of the universe or God or whatever you want to call it. And I cannot get behind an ideology that, that operates by crushing the human spirit in cases where it doesn't agree with it. It's, it's no coincidence that communist totalitarian states were also atheists because you, you can't, you can't, <laughs> they had to deny all of it. Spirit, God, consciousness, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, man. Um, the, the, so when, but when I think about this topic of censorship, like I, I see where it's a bit tricky in regards to social media because social media, it can give a voice to anybody. That's its beauty. And that's also the danger. If, if I'm looking at this through the lens of someone who believes that censorship needs to, needs to happen in some cases, it's like, yeah, you know, someone out there can get a really terrible idea and just promote it through social media 
and through their creative abilities and their maybe they're really gripping in how they speak. Uh, they have really great speaking skills and writing skills, and they start to convince a lot of people. And slowly but surely, you know, they get a lot of people into their movement. And, you know, next thing you know, that, I mean, that's basically how Hitler came to power, right? He, he came, he was a nobody. He, nobody knew him. And uh, he basically got power th- because he was really good at speaking. He was just like a captivating speaker and really convincing and just kind of a sociopath with a lot of intelligence. And he played to people's weaknesses and worked his way up and took control of a really vulnerable country at that time. So, but yeah, that, that so, so that's where I'm like, okay, so firstly, we don't know how to use this powerful tool we have, social media, like humanity. Like we're still little babies trying to figure this thing out to use it most effectively and usefully. And so I understand why some people are freaking out about it and, uh, you know, trying to censor things. There might be a conspiracy behind some of the censorship, you know, I don't know. But I can see why, you know, why that might be a reasonable consideration. It's like, well, you need to make sure that people with really like damaging hurtful ideas that are like literally trying to physically harm people you know don't get a huge audience but so i I don't i don't know (laughs) but i i feel that's kind of the beginning of the slippery slope as well exactly i mean hopefully we live within a in a and i think that's where it started the idea of censorship of being aware of that it could head into that that place of like oh man this person could become an extremist man there are extremists out there you know there are extremists in their ideas there are murderers and rapists and I well think- yeah go ahead oh no, i was just yeah, gonna well- yeah finish your i'm sorry for interrupting please don't worry <laughs> um but it's like it's again it's if we started hiding or suppressing these aspects of ourselves psychologically internally just on my personal self if i started denying the darkness of myself or the the shadow aspects or these and there's, I've had terrible thoughts before, terrible, terrible thoughts. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather acknowledge them and then keep pushing them in the back because that's just where they're going to keep getting power. Yeah. And then and as we start doing this to groups of people, it's like they're just going to keep getting power because they're like, look, no, we are suppressed. There's pressure against us. We need to be stronger. We need to actually push harder against whatever's suppressing us. So it's, it's such a catch-22 because, yeah, absolutely, some of these ideas are very dangerous. I mean, terrorist organizations are dangerous. But we have to acknowledge them. We have to see that they're there. Totally. We, have to, we can't just keep ignoring these, these aspects of humanity because that's what's making us sick in the first place. And, a, you know, a big difference between now and the age of Hitler is in those days, once you came to power and got control of the lone couple newspapers and radio you controlled the message everything that can't happen now so now you could have someone come up with crazy violent ideas but you're going to have a lot of people in in an in a world of you know uncensored speech online you can have a lot of people reasonably talking about how that's wrong and dangerous and crazy and they have just as much power to be heard as well so we, we live in a different time where a lot of ideas uh, and, and, and countering ideas and reasonable ideas can, can also, you know, be shared with just as much 
exposure and like you said you like there are people in humanity who are i don't know it seems they're born this way or for trauma through whatever reason they have violent thoughts and there are some of them who express them who turn them into violence it's unfortunately something that we as human beings have had to face <laughs> it's an expression of humanity uh and i don't think censorship is going to end it like you said it actually might give it more power because we're not allowing these dark ideas to come to the light so that light ideas ideas based in love can express themselves as a counterpoint to those dark ideas so i'm all about free speech my man <laughs> me too in the name yeah. of the light <laughs> <laughs> but and within that that's this is a you're touching on something that's super challenging as well it's like what what is right and wrong you know like what what opinion yeah. is right and wrong who it's decides like, who's the you know and that's with everyone's voice online everyone's deciding what's right and wrong openly and outwardly and creating little factions of themselves of right and wrong and that's okay but you know with your exercise that you did where you look back on your social media and you started to write responses to these people i wish people would do that where they're okay look this person has a conflicting idea to something that i feel is really valid and i'm going to write down my response my first response and you do but if you can only read that and then try and read it as that other person so you can actually see hmm. what this person who's so strongly believing on the other side and then look at your belief you're going to see excuse me if you do it purely enough you're going to see it's equally invalid you know? totally it's just like <laughs> i actually did that and and i realized that whatever i wrote did nothing to either convince the person of anything else it didn't bring them any love or it did nothing but please that part of me that holds on to its belief and being right so so i think that's a great exercise it's like i i believe there is always a response that can be written that actually if you look at it through the other person's lens feels good it actually feels while not agreeing with that person in a loving way maybe brings light to other facets or other points in the conversation that they might be overlooking but you know i think those type of responses when they're when they're dressed in humility like it really helps so instead of this absolute certainty you know expressing something like that is just it just doesn't work to convince anyone of anything but a certain humility and expressing uh, a point with you know with expressing the facts behind it why i believe this and being humble about it and then being open to conversation who wants to talk about this if you disagree that's the way to go you know and yeah so i you know part of me thinks like like what you were saying about this person who you worked with who you saw this spike you know that they're holding on to and what you said how you know you thought about it, it might not be the best thing to to remove that from them but actually they need to for them to learn themselves that holding on to this belief which is like a spike which is causing them so much damage the only way they're going to not do that anymore is until is when they realize they have the spike themselves and it's like the part of me that wants to save the world and wants everyone to wake up to the to the 
danger of their belief systems, maybe that part of me needs to let go and let humanity go through this process. You know, just like myself, I, I have to go through things to realize them. People have told me things a million times that would have helped me if I could have accepted them, but I had to learn on my own. And so, you know, there's this kind of fatalistic approach. It's just like, well, humanity's going through this right now. And all I can do is be compassionate, be kind, uh, be present, love the people I'm with and um, allow this process of humanity to unfold and allow humanity to evolve and grow, including myself. I don't exclude myself from humanity and I know I still have so much <laughs> to do, but uh, you know, maybe it's about letting go of like, if somebody comes to me and asks me for support and help and guidance on something, that's one thing. But this part of me, there's a part of me that wants to like, say the thing that's going to save the world, you know? And I don't think that exists. Uh, I think for me, the journey is about just being myself, always continuing to look within and heal that which I can heal. And if people want my support, I'll do my best to provide it. Wow. Man, that's powerful. <laughs> I mean, and, <laughs> and that's what you do, man. I mean, that's why I love you too. And I think why you're a dear friend and the people I surround myself with the, the, I don't surround myself with people who come to me and tell me what I should and shouldn't do and how I should and shouldn't be. And, you know, I surround myself with people where if I'm struggling about something, I express it to them. Um, but they don't try to fix me unless I ask for help and people come and ask you for help, for support with medicine or just through your presence. And then you offer it, but you don't go around like, force feeding ayahuasca to people you know or like, or like you know so i that's these are the people that i love it's the people that that are there when i ask but don't impose anything and i think yeah still a part of me wants to save the world it's a kind of you know just like a, a dream i've watched a lot of movies you know saving the, the world matrix, man well but so the matrix you know back to that movie i think that exemplifies like Neo didn't try to save the world. He just figured himself out. He, he, you know, he, it was all internal yeah. work. It, yeah. he, it was internal work and freeing his own mind. And that saved the world. Like the Buddha, he said something like, when you wake up, the whole world wake up, wakes up. It's not about waking up the world. It's you just need to keep waking up. And then the world around you, will also wake up man so beautiful well i think if back to the matrix you know me i love the matrix yeah um, me too bro <laughs> in the in the final matrix in the third one uh i think it's revolutions anyways uh is that the one the with very, the crazy rave party that's the first one well they all kind of have crazy rave parties uh, the wakowski no. sisters love that rave party <laughs> yeah yeah i think well, the second one they had like the huge rave like of the people that are, you know, free, free. Yeah. The free party. <laughs> the Zion. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, go ahead. <laughs> uh, well, with the thing of like Neo's awakening, man, on the third movie, he faces one of those squiddy things or his I, second movie, he faces one of the squiddy things and it comes at him and he's in the real world. It comes at him and he uses the matrix in the real world to destroy the squiddy thing. 
So he's, so he's not in the computer. He's not plugged into the matrix. He's outside of the matrix. And one of the squiddy things is coming to destroy the Nebuchadnezzar or has destroyed the Nebuchadnezzar, their ship. And he destroys this squiddy thing with the matrix in the real world. And he sees the numbers. He sees the symbols. He sees all of it in the real world. So he even started to wake up outside of the matrix as well. Wow. And started affecting change within that, that realm as well, which is super cool. So I, it's cool that I just had that realization through what you were saying. Um, that's fascinating. Right. That's the next level. That's the next level, man. <laughs> uh, did, you, did you think that Matrix 2 and 3 had much like philosophical or like, you know, the, the amazing teachings that the first Matrix had? Because I only watched them once because I just didn't think that they, I didn't, they didn't touch me like the first one. But you think they yeah, had some deep action? They had no, some depth I, to them as well, or not? Some of the conversations with the Oracle were pretty interesting. Uh, I still find that the first one just hit the nail on the head, and yeah. I think that's just because it's such a pivotal moment in awakening that for those first steps of getting through and seeing the matrix around you—not necessarily the real numbers and whatever, but whatever this this idea matrix that surrounds us—and then freeing yourself from that. Mm-hmm. I think that's, man, that's just so potent. And I don't think they can really, even now, I don't think those movies really exist. We've talked about this. Before. No, I know. I just had this like idea, like, because in the Matrix movie, the Matrix is, is symbolized by like binary numbers, right? One zeros and ones. And, but I just saw the Matrix is instead of all those numbers, it's just words, letters, like stories, like the Matrix is stories. The whole, it, the man. whole thing is just stories, man. <laughs> we just woke up, man, in the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Understanding that conceptually and actually living it are <laughs> very different, clearly. But yeah, it's just a bunch but, of stories, man. That's the matrix. It yeah, it is. Well, yeah, and even like, I think on, uh, there's just so many layers to the matrix. Like initially, even just seeing the belief system, which is stories, you know, like, God, like, even to this, in this moment, the belief systems I have about myself, whether they're big or small, they're still here. Hmm. But that's why I love this podcast is, man, we have this opportunity to like voice these things that are inside of ourselves with an audience. So we have to be very real with ourselves to actually start to see, man, where am I stuck? Mm-hmm. God, I'm stuck all over the place. It's like this belief system. There's this idea system. There's this um, mask that I may put on in certain situations. And that's why I love this. It's like, I can't like, especially being around you, you know, like you're such a good friend that you don't let me be false. You're not going to let me give you some kind of false mask. We hope that we always kind of cut through into something deeper because we, we know the feeling of false and we know the, the feeling of real, like you shared yeah. with group share. And man, I, I hope I'm always honest and real with our listeners, with you, you know, within our friend groups, and I hope to continue to surround myself with people who don't, yeah, they're not trying to fix me. They're just, they're there. They're there with me in the same, we're in the same muck, man. We're in the same matrix. There's still stories floating around us and we're still believing them. Totally. We're not flying yet. So we're working on that. Listen, man. I mean, if you're ever wear a mask or you're false around me, it's okay, dude. And if I do the same, it's like we're human and I, you know, I notice now in my life, like I notice when I'm doing that and when I'm not, and I know one feels a hell of a lot better. And 
like now it's to the point where I, I just, I, it's almost, a f- I physically feel when I'm being inauthentic, insincere. And I, I like that it's kind of painful now, but I still do it. Sometimes I just, you know, whatever, interacting with a certain person will just trigger this old protective mechanism in me. And I just, it's protecting me from being myself authentically. And yeah, it's, dude. But I also love that about having conversations with you because for whatever reason, this, this like cocktail of me and you talking, it just, I find that a lot of the, a lot of the mask just fades away. Sometimes before the podcast, like you said, I'm nervous. The mask is on actually. And I'm like, I don't know what we're going to talk about. I, I hope I sound cool. I hope I share something interesting. That's the mask talking. The mask is the one that hopes to say the right thing and, and have an interesting time. Like, the uh, the non-mask is like if it's not interesting oh well we don't have to release it uh and and the non-mask is like whatever comes up comes up and uh if if i say something that offends someone i'm sorry if it causes harm but i'm gonna continue to strive to speak to just be authentic and truthful and that's it so i that's it's the journey, man. Yeah, it is the journey. And I hope that like with our listeners, we're not, you know, again, we're not trying to teach you anything or like expound great profound knowledge or wake you up. It's just, we're, we're actually on this journey. Alan and I are really on this journey of exploration and awakening together. And we feel that, you know, and so we're just kind of exploring here and we're opening ourselves to these layers here and being very vulnerable and raw and, Man, that's one thing I always loved loved about you from the very beginning when I first met you, man. I mean, we had a men's circle. Man, you were the most honest person in there, and everyone else was just like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I have a hard time feeling emotions. And, man, you went right to the, you know, you hit the nail on the head in yourself, and you were real. And that changed the vibe of the entire room. That changed, that put a wave through the whole room where people were like, wow, I've just been lying not only to myself but to other people. And what those masks are, and when they come up, I realize, man, I'm just lying to myself. I'm not really lying to anyone else because they could probably see through it. So I'd rather stop lying to myself and actually just approach this as like, wow, you know what? We don't, I don't know. I don't. And I, I really don't. But I want to. I want to explore. And I want to grow. And I want to learn. And yeah, and again, through this process of learning and evolving, we're going to stumble upon things that hurt us we're going to stumble on things that you know we may kick a boulder down the mountain and it lands on somebody else's head or it kills their chicken <laughs> weird analogy but we have to be careful <laughs> i get it i get it <laughs> we just we can't always be careful all the time we have to explore into realms that are uncomfortable and i hope that the listeners understand that through this process we're just exploring uncomfortable realms and Again, like Alan said, we're not trying, we're not intentionally trying to hurt anyone or discredit anyone. We're just exploring. And we hope you explore with us. Yeah. Cause I personally, like, I, I'm doing this first and foremost for me because I really enjoy these conversations. And, and I, I think we both realized that we, we recorded our conversation once and it was really interesting. Like, that's why I love podcasts and, you know, any good podcast, a great conversation, the people aren't conversing for anyone else, but 
each other's company and conversation and sharing ideas. And I love podcasts because I end up going on a journey with that conversation and it sparks ideas in me and, and these, these longer form conversations too. Sometimes it takes a little while for the masks to drop with people. And, you know, we've talked about this before, but my biggest qualm with our media and how it's structured like mainstream media, which is dying every minute of the day is you don't, you can't see how people are authentically because it's sound bites. It's, it's just 20 minute little sound bites and 20 second sound bites and little clips. And um, so I would love to see, there was a rumor going around that Joe Rogan was going to have Biden and Trump like come in for like a three hour conversation. Wow. And I think that's how we'll get to know these people, these candidates, because right now, I, the way it's structured now, we can't know anything. Basically, everyone's opinion of the candidate is a regurgitation of the charged opinion of whatever media personality they're choosing to follow. And nobody knows who these people are. You don't. And so I, I'd love to see that, man. And because uh, the mask... If you can hold up a mask for three hours, well, congratulations, and I'm sorry you had to do that because that sucks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow, I I hope they do that. Yeah, it's very challenging to. That'd be fascinating. Be fascinating, yeah, to see this realm for three hours. When you have three hours to talk with somebody, you're gonna start hitting that mask starts to crack. It's just it's inevitable. That's why I don't think that they'll do it, <laughs> right. because whoever's running these campaigns like they know that that probably just can't work you you can't expose either of these guys probably i don't know maybe you can uh but it's just it's very risky <laughs> <laughs> right well um well look we we shared in two podcasts ago yes. we had an exercise that we shared and i don't want you guys to, the, the listeners to think that we forgot about it we still have it here we've talked about it the last couple Alan and I have talked about it personally on the side. Um, so we talked about moments that lit us up and moments in our lives, events in our lives, uh, situations in our lives that have lit us up. And since we're at the end of this, this episode, I don't want to go really too deep into all the, the totality of this list here, but I do want to share some of the nuggets. And I don't know if you want to share maybe just a couple of nuggets and maybe the yeah, like what it was about those moments that really lit us up. So uh, if you want to start or you want me to start, you let me know. Uh, and I'll just add, like we, if you didn't listen to that episode, it was two, it was episode nine. nine. Yeah. And we were just talking about, you know, looking, finding our purpose and all the changes that have happened in our lives and the world. And it's like, you know, and you, you brought up this exercise, which I think is amazing. And it's, yeah, to remember moments where you were lit up and by lit up, I interpret that as where I was lost in the moment where I, you know, time stopped, where I was so absorbed and so present by whatever that moment was. And, you know, the idea is if you can point to some of those moments, we might notice uh, a theme or might be able to connect it to something that we can apply and find a life or a vocation or whatever it is that we can create those moments because that's the ultimate dream, right? It's to be lit up all the time. <laughs> so, yeah. so yeah, maybe um, 
we can share a few. We just want to like ping pong it. So you want to go first and then I'll do it. And yeah, sure. Um, I'm not going to read the first, I'm not going to even go in order in this, but like, uh, I think a really big memory that lit me up or a moment that lit me up was this hundred mile hike I did in the Boy Scouts. (laughs) And it was really hard and it was really long and it took forever. And it was, uh, I had sores on my feet, but the whole time I just, like every, every mountain that we went over, every hill that we passed, like there was something beyond it. And there was always mm-hmm. this, like my imagination was so free in this realm of this is a challenge. I'm, I'm exploring things that I've never seen before. And I, I don't know if I'm going to make it. There was always like, we always heard wolves on the horizon. There were bears everywhere. Like, I didn't know if I, I mean, I'm a 16 year old kid. I'm, I don't know. Am I going to die? Am I going to live? So the element of risk was involved. Um, and yeah, so what, within that, I feel like to synthesize it, not to go into the whole story of it, but to synthesize it, I really felt it was this being, letting go into the being held by nature completely, like really putting my trust in, at that time it was God because I was still religious as I traveled through a hundred miles through the Bob Marshall wilderness in a place that was full of wolves and bears and things that could kill us, you know, uh, the element of risk really lit me up and the element of exploration. And those, these are things that still really light me up. It's not necessarily, I don't love risk and I don't go off like actively seeking risk, which is my, probably my issue of why I'm not living fully in that lit up state. I'm not seeking risk. Um, so yeah, that's my first example. Interesting. Like the risk, like if you dig into that, this is just like a theme of life or death, right? So it's, it's like dancing with death in a way. Like, yeah, I mean, I guess that's why people are lit up by like bungee jumping and skydiving. Cause there's that you're right there next to death. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I probably wasn't right there next to death in my mind as a kid. I but, think I was right, right next to death. Uh, but yeah, that risk element brought more liveliness to me sure. and it lit me up in such a way that I knew if this was a real challenge, not something that I created, like Amazing. a fantasy challenge. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, man. Wow. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> uh, one of mine, yeah, one of mine was I was the, the best man at uh, one of my best friend's weddings in the States. And uh, I wrote I wrote a speech for it, and there were probably a few hundred people in the crowd, and I really worked hard on the speech to make it funny, and I've never like given a speech to more than a f- like you know a few people, never really given a speech, but I got up there, man, and it was probably you know the couple cocktails I had in me, but I just. I got into the speech and the, the first, the first joke, the first funny part just really hit and the whole crowd was laughing. And in that moment, I just connected with this crowd and it was an amazing experience, like entered this flow state and all my nerves and fears really dropped. And I just got into the speech and, and was just delivering like 
punchline after punchline of these jokes about my friend and our life and and the crowd was just so into it and laughing and um are you my i'm still here oh yeah my some my zoom closed real quick okay here we are uh so yeah so just that moment of the crowd just the crowd was lit up they were laughing and i was flowing with them and i lost all sense of who i was I lost all sense of time. I lost all my fears and concerns of being in front of this crowd and just like entered the moment and really had a glimpse of, I think why, you know, like stand-up comedians, it's always kind of a, like a fantasy of mine to be a stand-up comedian because of that experience. Like I understand why when a lot of them talk about it, it's like, it's, it's, it's their junkies for that experience to get up there and to connect with the crowd. And so for me, it was just all about that connection and, and it's just love man laughter is and love and so that was yeah that was that one i was that's amazing that was really cool experience yeah wow well it's interesting because you're kind of doing along that vein you're now in front of a bunch of people as well Mm -hmm. and sharing sharing these things with with the world again you make me laugh throughout this whole podcast that sometimes i have to like you know cover my mouth (laughs) you know yeah yeah thanks man yeah well yeah, there's something I think, and I probably I imagine human beings were wired for this, but we we get something out of connecting with other human beings, just like a real connection through love, which which allows us to drop our masks and just be fully present in the being witnessed by others. It's really really beautiful. So yeah, so yeah, this is kind of along the same vein. I mean, we're connecting, we're having conversation, and we're making each other laugh and sharing ideas and so i i'm glad i'm doing this <laughs> yeah man it, i mean this definitely lights me up on a personal yeah like yeah I, this is it's actually in my examples of like moments that i get lit up i really enjoy this uh but it's the genuine connection between you and i that i find the most rewarding it's just mm-hmm. you and i exploring understanding ourselves better uh opening ourselves in a more vulnerable level um yeah, this, it's really, it's, it's amazing to do this. Do, should I share one more? Or do we yeah. think like, okay. Let's do one um, more each and then. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's hard. A lot of mine relate to like plant medicine. But oh, that can they, be related to, like, I'm not yeah, surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it was a really big one for me was when I was in the jungle alone, again, this related to risk because I was terrified. There's tons of venomous snakes and I always thought a jaguar is gonna jump onto my tambo and kill me. Um, <clears throat> I was in my tambo alone and I gave up. And it was such an interesting moment where I stopped just any pretenses of trying to be or do or become anything i just had to let it all go and it was so rewarding to just literally i was i was crying quite a lot but uh in that moment just to shed that layer of myself and give it just stop just stop it all so i'm terrified i was terrified of the jungle i was hungry i was bored my mind was driving me crazy and i hit this point where it was i don't know if it's necessarily a flow state but it was very much a state of just wow, ugh. 
it, it felt physical, it felt emotional, it felt, and it was so enthralling, it was so present in that emotion that something, something died. And <clears throat> I don't want to be a junkie for death, but that experience of letting go completely of something, um, of giving up, not in a way of like, I just give up on life, but giving up on the stories uh, giving up on trying to do something different to be something actually set me free to be anything. Mm. And it was just, it was, it was an aha moment for wow. me. And it was, so it's a, it's a strange, it's kind of a very personal moment, but within that, I felt that was such a huge moment that lit me up and then actually set the tone for a lot of the rest of my life after that experience. Um, because of that, just that moment. And I go back to it often. So that's, Yeah. You're a junkie for letting go, man. That's <laughs> that's a pretty damn good drug. That's amazing. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah you're you're in the right business because you're in the business of letting go, right? Like, <laughs> I guess yeah. Helping people let go. <laughs> yeah, but it's but it's only the like even this is like letting go too. It's like I, who do I present myself on? As, yeah, right. In here, like I don't know. Let, let go of masks. Them. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. Sweet, pretty personal man. one, so. Yeah. Oh, amazing. <laughs> Thank you. All right, I'll share one more. I'm using my phone's flashlight to illuminate my face right now because it's dark That's here. super cool. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see here. Yeah, um, another one that I could share is, um, yeah, it was um, my, my first experience with acting. And... Uh, I I, uh, I responded to a Craigslist ad in Reno, Nevada. Someone was looking for someone to play an extra in a short film. It was like a student film. And I went to like audition and they ended up giving me one of the co-leading roles on this little short film. And, and we filmed it over the course of a night. Like they rented out this coffee shop in Reno and it was all night. And there was a moment I, you know, I'm, that point I wasn't a good actor. I probably never ever even became a very good actor, but in that experience, I was playing this role and there was a moment and in the scene we're like robbing the coffee shop, kind of like in Pulp Fiction when they're eating in the diner and they get up and they rob the place, like surprise everyone. I'm robbing this coffee shop and I totally lost myself in the role. Like I became this person robbing the coffee shop and I knew when I became that person because I was yelling and one of the extras in the film like was reacting to my emotion and they were like sincerely scared. <laughs> like it was just so real. And that's when I snapped out of it because I was like, oh shit, I don't want to, I don't want to scare anybody. But there was just this moment of being completely lost in this. Basically it was like letting go of me, of my mask and slipping into something else. And so there's, there's something about that. I think it's along the same theme of just letting go. And uh, I let go of Alan for a brief moment. And I think the, the key to acting is, is that the best actors really become this other role. And, and I experienced that for a really brief moment. And that was amazing, man. That was really wow. cool. It led me on an unsuccessful acting journey. Uh, but I mean, not unsuccessful, but I, you know, I decided to pursue acting after that in New York and just like it didn't. Once, once I had to audition and like show myself, like I, I couldn't do it. So 
Mm. I really appreciated that, just that moment. Like I, that's art too, you know, art when people create things and they talk about a painting and they just lose themselves in it and they, they, they lose who they are and they're just completely allowing this creation to flow through them. I mean, that's, that's also the flow state and it's, it's something wow. beautiful. It's cool. Wow, that's incredible. I was there with you in that coffee shop, even in the story. That's yeah, amazing. It was fun, man. Yeah. So, so yeah, thank you. I, thank you. And thanks for uh, bringing up this exercise like the other day. Cause it, uh, it really, I guess that was a few weeks ago, but it really helped me actually in my process because at that time I'm feeling much more clear now, but I was just feeling really lost and confused about who I am, what to do in this new context in Europe and, and uh, I realized through that exercise that um, it's really not about like what job I choose to do or anything like that, but it's just reminding me what medicine has always reminded me is just be present, like let go of yourself or of any attempt to control your life and just like flow and just be love and love what you have and who you're with and things will work out like opportunities come and they flow so so that's kind of what's happened you know i still don't still is still not clear on everything but we're getting more clarity i'm getting more clarity personally and i just feel yeah i feel pretty pretty good about it all and yeah so and thank you yeah and i i feel the same it was really just for me to reflect on that and i guess through this whole process of this covid 19 process uh <laughs> this global process that i feel i've lost sight of these core things that really drove me and it wasn't really directed at anyone to create this practice it's just like man i need to look at what actually lights me up because in this moment i feel like i've forgotten and i think in any challenging moment man we are so fast to forget what actually brings us joy and happiness in life. And I wanted to remind myself too within that, it's just like, man, I, what actually makes me happy? What am I doing? Mm-hmm. What, am I, what am I spending my time focusing on? Am I focusing on, well, right now I have no work and I'm blah, 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 and I'm not doing this. And I'm not doing what I love. I can still do what I love. It's mm-hmm. still here. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it's, it was a it was a great practice so i i hope for all of our listeners as well that they had this opportunity to explore this practice um and really like take it to that synthesis and start to see what these core things are like you know like you shared and what i shared of like letting go why is that such a potent thing for us it is um and really explore that like how can we start exploring that in our daily life i i don't know let's let's do that i guess (laughs) absolutely man that's it yeah Beautiful. This has been awesome. I feel better than when we started. (laughs) Yeah, me too. (laughs) Yeah. So the contrast of night and day is super cool to look at as well, by the way. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. That is cool. Yeah. Opposite sides of the world, man. So um well, thank you, Felix. And I think we can wrap this one up here. Yeah. Yeah. Episode eleven. Episode eleven in the books, and we'll see you on the next one, everyone. Thank you for listening. And uh, please, if you have a moment, please subscribe. Please hit the notification bell on YouTube. Please leave a review. We prefer five stars. And uh, (laughs) we'd really appreciate it. We're just trying to get this out there. 
um, so that more people can join us on this journey. Uh, so yeah, awesome. Awesome. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Felix. See ya. Thanks, beyond words. Beyond mm -hmm. words.